This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. As America's zone coach, premier thought leader, and the world's number one coach of champions, Jim Fannin is the go-to person. He has guided the careers of the best pro athletes from 10 sports and business executives from 50 industries. He has coached individuals, families, relationships, and students in simplifying and balancing their lives for more than 40 years. From winning Wimbledon, the World Series, and a gold medal, to losing 68 pounds, saving lost marriages, or overcoming financial ruin, Jim Fannin has been behind the scenes guiding individuals through the intricate process of peak performance. His success tools are not just for the superstar. They're designed to help you reach your full potential as you tap into life's most successful mindset, the zone. And now, please welcome the coach of champions and America's zone coach, Jim Fannin. Hi, this is Jim Fannin. Welcome to the Jim Fannin Show. Uh, of course, I'm Jim Fannin and uh, Seth Hurd. Really ready to get back and uh, get some more people into the zone, my friend. You know, the zone is the only place to be. It's that purposeful, calm feeling where nothing can go wrong. And I got to tell you, Seth, in a world that we're in now with uh, news that's Definitely not leaning toward the positive, and I'm talking about mainstream and all, all kinds of news. Uh, being in the zone is a, a real psychological cocoon uh, so that you can control what you can control as opposed to uh, constantly adjusting and uh, your mentality to all the negatives that are happening in the world. But there's definitely some positive stuff going on. For example, you're a grandfather. As a- I'm a grandpa. I'm like Grandpa Jones. I mean, it's hard to fathom. I feel like I'm 20, 23, 24 years old. <laughs> yeah, uh, my uh, grandson, Bowen, B-O-W-E-N, uh, over 10 pounds, uh, 22 uh, inches. It was like, seriously, this kid was in my daughter's body uh, just a couple hours ago. So, yeah, the kid's less than a week old, and um, uh, the birth was in New York City. I Obviously, I was there, and... Uh, you know, it's one of those zone moments. It's hard to even talk about if you've never experienced it and raised a little baby in your, you know, had a little kid in your arm. And uh, it, it's a exciting time for me. And the, uh, the I, I'm just curious about the name because that's, that's actually kind of a Kentucky kind of name. Where, well, where you're from. I, you know what? Uh, I, I'm not I think it's really a Gaelic name. Um, there are a lot of hillbillies with Gaelic names. Uh, it's an old name. And um, in any event, uh, it's pretty uh, uh, unique. Uh, I think everybody's going to call him Bo or Bowie or uh, it's Bowen Alexander. I may call him Win W E N. You're a winner. You're a win. So you know, I'm not sure. And then, uh, and then my family uh, has been asking me. So what are you going to be? What, you know, my my grandfather, which was so influential in my life. Uh, was my papa? So I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be papa or carry that over, or, yeah, or grandpa or or, or Jim. I, I I haven't decided yet. I got I got a little bit of time with him. We're in the fall. You've got a couple of former clients that are now I'm going to say in the zone together because they're actually uh, both sports commentators for this fall uh, baseball season here? Well, they are. Fox uh, Sports, Fox News, uh, Fox Sports, uh, the playoffs. Uh, Frank Thomas, 
Alex Rodriguez, both clients over 20 years. And now they're on the same show together, bantering against each other, with each <laughs> other. Uh, it's really it's really interesting uh, to hear what they are saying about the game. And it's uh, a reflection of some of the conversations I've actually had with them over the last couple of decades. So they're in the zone. Uh, they're really, really good at what they do to give an insight about what's really going on uh, in some of these games. I feel like that's one of those perks that happens when you have a very zone career that you've really showed up and put yourself on the line every day. And then after your playing days are done, the fans still want to hear from you. And then you, you get to be a part of the playoff. Well, you know, when you're an expert, and of course, Frank's a Hall of Famer. Uh, A-Rod, maybe Hall of Fame, maybe not. Obviously, he had some controversy that may keep him out of the Hall. Uh, but no, there's no question uh, Alex uh, had Hall of Fame numbers. But, you know, the world wants an expert. Uh, there, there's other experts. Big Poppy, uh, you know, who played for Boston, is also in the air. Keith Hernandez uh, is also uh, one of the guests. But Frank and uh, Alex, uh, it's really a pleasure. It's exciting to see their success post-career. Yeah, for sure. I also want to get into a zone moment that I heard on a podcast. And I, I was almost like staring at my phone, just being like, oh my gosh, Jim, I want to talk to, the, uh, to you about this right now. You know, not a professional athlete, just listening to a business guy talk about, man, I just played the round of my life in golf. It was amazing. And I had no idea what was going on. And then I go over to the driving range to see if I could figure it out. And I couldn't do it again. Uh, I just went immediately to, I'm guessing what happened was, as soon as he realized he was in the zone, he wasn't in the zone anymore. As soon as you realize you're in the zone, it's gone. You're, you're actually going to have to start the process over. You know, all of us have zone moments. Uh, the birth of my grandson, that was a zone moment. Uh, time stood still. Uh, there was no place I'd rather be, no future, no past. Well, you can have that on the golf course like uh, this amateur golf, golfer did. These are usually kind of honorary moments uh, in sports when you kind of haphazardly, with no premeditation, get yourself in the zone. Many times, Seth, some, it's a song that you heard on the way to the golf course. You're humming a song, singing a song, and the song had a nice rhythmical beat. And the next thing you know, you kind of hop a ride and uh, that first moment of truth on hole number one, number two, number three, wherever it was, you know, you need to make that 10-footer, that 15-foot putt. You drain it, and it's like, I'm the luckiest man in the world. I'm the luckiest man in the world. And, and it's a feeling that just engulfs you, and uh, it's pretty exciting. But if you'll notice, if, if you hit the best shot you ever hit in your life in golf, uh, trying to replicate that, well, that becomes the challenge. In fact, uh, when a person has a hole-in-one and they're doing it, you know, and of course, most of us never have that in our lifetime. But if you did, you know, you want to do a cartwheel, you're excited, you know, you're high-fiving anybody and everybody, <laughs> and then usually uh, you're in the woods on the next tee shot. <laughs> to totally in trouble. When you're aware of being in it, you're not in it anymore. So. How do people stumble in it? it? It's a song. It's a serendipitous moment. You know, because I think back to got a chance to play high school and, and uh, college basketball. And there were a few games in my life where maybe just one 
aspect of the game, I was just untouchable. So I remember one game I had 31 rebounds, you know, in four quarters. Holy cow. What are you playing? Children? And you're in an adult league? 31 rebounds. So that's that's great. Well, Seth's not a small guy, but yeah, being six foot six does help with that situation. But like, how do you, if people have stumbled into that, what do you normally say to them about, uh, you know, we we talk about rebooting and everything, but how do you help them understand how they did stumble into it at one point? Because, you know, I think that's important. Well, I, I, again, I think we stumble in it it all the time. Uh, The, the average zone moment is about 12 seconds. That's about the length of time it takes to, roll a golf ball into the cup on the green. Uh, so it doesn't last long. And, and what I've noticed, uh, there is some math to this. Typically, it, and it operates in 12s. So I'm in the zone for 12 seconds. Uh, the next phase is 144 seconds, so it's a little over two minutes, 12 times 12. And I've, I've seen this 12 come up over and over in all of our research and our calculations. We haven't proven that 12 is that magic number, uh, but we get in the zone all the time, Seth. I mean, we're in the zone when we're reading a book. Uh, You're in the zone when you're listening to the podcast. You probably got out of the zone when you went, oh my gosh, I got to ask Jim about that. You probably got (laughs) out of the zone at that moment. Uh, But we're getting in the zone in a conversation, in a business meeting, uh, in a sales situation. 12 seconds here, and then we get out of it, and then back 12 seconds. Of course, the key is to thread these zone moments over time. And the longest I've seen someone in it actually was diminutive uh, second baseman, formerly for the uh, Seattle Mariners, Joey Cora. I witnessed him personally getting in the zone 33 days. So I know you can get locked in. I mean, really locked in over a long period of time. Uh, that's not easy. Typically, when you get locked in in one part of your life, the other parts may or may not suffer. Uh, Peter Fleming, four-time Wimbledon doubles champion. We're going to have Peter on our show, uh, doubles with uh, John McEnroe. Peter's one of my best friends. I coached him on the tour. He would get in the zone during this one stretch of his career. He was talking to the crowd. Uh, smiling, laughing, but when he got ready to return serve, he got ready to serve, he just narrowed his focus. And then after the point, he'd go back and be fully engaged. And during this moment, he ascended in the rankings. Now, he had he, he'd come off an injury, so his ranking had plummeted, but he went all the way to eight in the world, from like 600 in the world, in a month. And during that time, he met his wife, uh, the love of his life. Everything was clicking. So it was not just tennis. He got into the zone and everything happened. It doesn't always work like that. And staying in the zone like that, because I feel like, man, we talk about it so much, but the reboot tool is such a key piece of the score system that I, I feel like it's just almost mentioning, worth mentioning every single episode. Well, so. if, you, if you're listening right now and you've got a few challenges in your life and they keep popping into your head over and over again, unhinge your jaw, shut your eyes, unless you're driving, of course, and uh, clear your mind. See a blank screen. You want to get your breathing down to six to eight breaths a minute. 
as opposed to your, the normal 15 to 17 breaths, and just be. You just be. Just full engagement, having zero thoughts, no future, no past. It doesn't take more than 90 seconds. Uh, the World Series coming up, I've had pitchers during the World Series reboot on the mound. That took them only a few seconds. So uh, the reboot tool, uh, I use it throughout the entire day. Any bad news or any tweets that are, are tell me they're going to be late and it's kind of thrown my schedule off, I, instead of judging, instead of being a victim, reboot. It's a great tool. Let's go ahead and get into the meat of this episode, which is the arenas of your life that all need attention, correct? You need to be in the zone. You can be in the zone in all of them because, you know, one of my favorite episodes so far was talking about how true champions love the fourth quarter. And we were very business, career, professional oriented in that moment, right? Um, but you have all these other arenas in your life that you also need to be a true champion. You're so much more than a business person. You're so much more, you know, I, I'm more than a grandfather. I, I'm a proud grandfather. Don't get me wrong. But I'm more than that. I, I, I'm more than a husband. I'm more than a son. And, uh, you know, I've got my own self. I've got my business. And um, if you put all your happy eggs in one basket, you're setting yourself up for some definite challenges. I think the self arena, that's just you and you, Seth. That's your spirituality. Uh, it is your religion or non religion. Uh, it's your nutrition. It's your physical well being, whether you're flexible and, you know, maybe you need to take some yoga to get more flexible. That, that's all pertinent to your self arena. Uh, it's your hygiene. Uh, it's whether your room is clean or not. And, it's also uh, how much sleep you get, how much hydration, how much food intake. Uh, that's yourself. Yeah, and if that gets off, no matter how much good you want to do or what you want to achieve, I'm going to keep this re really general. And this has been several years, so I don't think anybody's going to pinpoint it. But I knew somebody that was doing a lot of amazing work in the nonprofit sector and was getting a lot of national attention for what amazing work they were doing. And you know, a friend of mine had probably been working, I mean, truly working 100 plus hours a week. Uh, for months. And what finally happened was he just had a, a breakdown and, and got just, he was so tired. He took a baseball bat and in a very nice neighborhood in a big city, just started smashing people's windows for no reason. He had reached the point of exhaustion that he didn't even have like his cognitive abilities anymore. Well, uh, there's a lot of countries and not just here in the U S where, uh, young, uh, Next gen or millennials are going to doing the video games. They're into the video scene. They'll spend three days in a row with no sleep. And wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, and wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, but you're going to pay for that. There's no question about it. You're going to become irritable. Uh, you are going to have mood swings like uh, the baseball bat. Please don't go that far. Let's, let's get a check on that. Uh, I think we're sleep-deprived nation. That's a big factor. in all the athletes I've coached, that's one of the first things. How's your sleep? And is it a deep sleep? Are you getting the melatonin into the bloodstream to give you that really deep sleep? Uh, and then the other thing is hydration. You, you lose one, uh, 
you lose 1% of your body water, you'll lose 10% of your focus. And that makes you irritable when you can't hold your focus or you can't remember where your keys are and everybody else is waiting on you. Now you're frustrated. All those things. And and another thing happens also, if you don't take care of yourself, Arena, your immune system, uh, the gates, the guards, they're going to, yeah, they're going to be shot. They're going to be lowered. You're going to be susceptible to colds and the flu and whatever else. And, And if you do have the flu, and you have a negative mindset about it, you'll have a flu longer than someone with a positive mindset. Yeah, I think we need to look in the mirror and go, how am I? You got to be your own best friend in this regard. And this has nothing to do with your significant other, your boss, uh, your employees, your, your children, my grandson. This is between me and me, and I got to keep my act together. Uh, so, I would make sure you're getting enough sleep. And what is that? What is enough sleep? Uh, If you need a nap, take a nap. Uh, I needed a nap today. I I actually took a nap. And uh, I I know a lot of people go, naps? Who's got that kind of luxury? Uh, You know, you can take a nap in your office. Just shut your eyes. It's a long reboot. I'd set my alarm and uh, just get a little uh, quick shut eye, five minutes. Replenish the energy, replenish the soul. You know, if I can pull in a, a really weird piece of, of baseball trivia here, because we see that with like with driving, right? People start to behave after they've been very sleep deprived, like they've had a lot of alcohol. Like those those symptoms kind of run together. They are. So in like the late 1800s, Budweiser actually sponsored third base in one of the professional baseball leagues. So if you landed on third, you were supposed to drink a beer during the game to promote beer in the stand. <laughs> and that last Wait a minute, do we all drink or just the guy on third? Just the guy on third. I think everybody should drink. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, the league wound up canceling it. And this, this is back before National League and American League were the only, you know, there were all kinds of leagues all over the United States. And the league finally went, oh, so... The timing in baseball is so precise that if you have a beer, you can't hit for the rest of the game. And I think the same thing can be true with sleep or with dehydration, right? Wait a minute, I, just- think, I think if your team advances one base, everybody in the stands that that's your team, you got to have a drink. Everybody. It could, be a, it could be the world's largest drinking game. Uh, but obviously, uh, overindulging. Uh, in drinking, overindulging, and in, in anything, staying up too late, uh, those are all detrimental to your self arena. And you really do need to be your best friend. And I, and I think the tip here is set some personal goals. Know what your ideal weight is. Know what your optimum sleep is. Uh, know what foods aren't good to you. Uh, and, um, and know what foods are good to you what foods you actually need. Take your vitamins. You don't need to be told to take vitamins. It, this is you. It's your, it's your best friend. And uh, I think being your own best friend, loving yourself, caring about yourself, respecting yourself, uh, well, now you're going to be more prone to respect others and be able to give more love to others. But if you're having a challenge with your own self, and uh, there's a lot of self-loathing today. I mean, I hear it. I hear it uh, just out uh, going downtown Chicago in, in some business meetings and going into the buildings, getting on the elevator. 
I hear negativity all the time. Man, if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. It's like, wow, that's not a best friend. I've got to say that's one of the biggest things that I've paid attention to since becoming a part of the Jim Fannin show is how powerful that can be on your own psyche. You know, the the negativity or the positivity. Well, you're 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 only as good as your inner dialogue and what you say to yourself, uh, and I've said this, I, I believe, on this show, too. Uh, I've told many clients, hey, if I talk to you the way you talk to you, you'd fire me <laughs> in, a, in, a min- in a minute. So be careful how you treat yourself, putting yourself down. That, that's the number one defense mechanism of all human beings. We, that's learned age four, five, and six years old. Almost every one of us have learned this. Be mean to me so that people that love me won't be mean to me. But you keep that self-loathing, that put-down, and now you're trying and searching for sympathy for other people. You've got a self-arena challenge, low self-esteem. And uh, what is your score level just in regards to you? Are you disciplined? Are you focused? Are you confident about you? And, and are you calm, cool, and you know, do you love life? Uh, and again, that has nothing to do with anything else. That's just you talking to you. Once we're there, right, you're not completely exhausted. You're not living off 12 pots of coffee a day. <laughs> you are, you know, keeping a positive mindset, taking your vitamins. So mm-hmm. you're not getting sick as we move from fall into winter here in like another couple of months. Let's hit on some other arenas because I see the list uh, for this episode, and I'm like, okay, I, I want some of this stuff because I'd love learn along with the audience. And, you know, I mean, just to be forthright again, I'm in my second round of the entrepreneurial game. And the first time I kind of just, just kind of lost the energy. You know, I did it for a couple of years and then just kind of went back into a day job and came out of it and said, okay, I can't have the same mindset as last time. And then you and I met and that changed the game completely. So, I'm having a blast as a novice, you know, bringing the score system into my life, my marriage, my business, my friendships. We got a list here to go down. So the the arena of parenting, how do we want to step in there? Well, I I, I had this discussion with my son-in-law and, and my um my daughter <clears throat> over a two-year period. What what do you want? your child to be when they eventually leave your house at age 18, 19, 20. Hopefully it's not 30 or 45 years old living in the basement. But what do you want your kid to be? Uh, what, are the, uh, you know, what are some of the characteristics? And what values do you want to instill? Because you're going to find so many learning moments. And, you know, we miss a lot of them as parents. Because we don't have a list of what we're trying to do. We don't have a blueprint. And I don't want to impose and never did impose on, on both my kids uh, exactly how to live their life. In fact, we had my daughter on the show, and we only had two rules. Wake up happy, go to bed happy, and then be sure mom's happy. That was a teenage 13-year-old rule, because then nobody's happy. You know, the dog's not even happy. So it's. Um, I think the key to being a great parent is help your child be a world-class decision maker. That That's number one. 
They're only as good as what you think when you're not there. I will repeat that many, many, many times on our shows. Secondly, they knew if you really want them to be a champion, they're going to need self-discipline. So quit disciplining them. That's not self-discipline. Guide them, show them what they need to do, and let them fail with their own self-discipline. Because if not, you're going to wind up following them around for the rest of your life. And you know, I, and I, when they're 40, you're, they're still going to need your help. Yeah, I got a chance to teach college. I mean, at a fairly young age. I was, I was 29 uh, and you know, got a chance to, to teach college full time. And I remember, you know, having a student who, I don't know, I wouldn't quite say non-traditional, probably a 25-year-old student, maybe taking a few years off to do something else and decided to go ahead and do the college thing. And her mom calls me. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Oh, what? Something went pretty wrong here. <laughs> um, you're, yeah. I'm four years older than your daughter you're calling me about. This is... This is not the way things need to be. Yeah, I, I think we need to teach goal setting as soon as possible. They can be very small. I'd make things very measurable, but, you know, they can be minimal. But goal setting all the way to what do you want to wear today? You pick your clothes. We did that with my daughter, and she went to school dressed like a frump. A few times where I'm like, you got, holy, holy cow, uh, tell her your name is Wilson, not Fannin, please. You know, and uh, she liked the secondhand clothes, and she she liked looking sloppy, and that was kind of how everybody did. And, you know, we let her do it. Um, second thing, if you want your child to be able to concentrate, quit interrupting them. Give them time to think. They need to think on their own. Uh, less is more. The less you have to think about, the better. And then the number one thing, of course, with our kids is that they need a positive self-esteem. They, they need confidence. So putting them down, we know that as parents, but sometimes we get frustrated and we'll yell at them and put them down. Uh, that is detrimental. And if it's done in the first 60 months of life, it will, it will be like a pebble in their shoe. Believe me, it'll be nonproductive. And uh, self-esteem, confidence, that's a big deal in the first 60 months of life. Yeah, and you call that hyper-learning, learning, correct? Uh, super learning. Super yeah. learning. And, and then we need to teach our kids how to be cool. Uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you need to be cool. You need to be a palm tree in a hurricane. If you're constantly reacting, bitching, moaning, looking at your phone, Looking in disgust, uh, well, congratulations, teach. You know, you're being a, prop, uh, a professor uh, of how not to have a positive mindset. Uh, kids pick this up quickly. Unfortunately, you know, stress runs downhill, Seth. It, it'll run from the top of a company uh, that has some uh, goals it needs, market share, that's pushed from the CEO all the way down to every person in the company. And then we go home, and it's pushed home from the matriarch or patriarch of the family all the way down to the baby. And a little kid can feel stress. Yeah. There's no question about it with not a word being said. Their heart rate will increase when they hear uh, an increase of negativity in the house. They'll respond to that. 
So uh, stress is really contagious. So the parent arena, lead by example, teach them to be world-class decision makers, and uh, we got to let them fail a little bit so they can learn from it. So that you're not on the phone when they're 25 years old. And I let me touch on that stress piece here for a second because you talked about you know the CEO being frazzled, stressed, the VPs are, and then down and down and down, all the way down to the interns, right? Stress runs downhill. So let me just pick right in the middle of that org chart. Let's just say you're a mid-level manager of 11 people. How do you stop that crazy cycle? Because you can't necessarily, you may not even see the CEO. The CEO might be in a different city, but you, you don't want to pass that along to your people, especially you know, in this season, if it's sales and they really need to be on their A game right now. Typically, when you get a directive from the top uh, and it's uh, in writing, it's simple and it does not have emotion. And then how you interpret that really puts a spin on it. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. And um, I think the most important thing is you have a directive, you have an objective, and you've got to put your own flavor to it on what you want your team to think when you're not there. And you need to empower your team. They need responsibility, definitely, in writing. They need accountability. That's where most management, uh, upper, middle, and lower management fail, holding people accountable. Uh, we just don't want to do that in our society. We'd like to avoid that. We don't want the confrontation. Oh, well, we need to lay it on the line, hold people accountable. And then one, that they need to know what do they have the authority to do or not to do. Uh, but when stress is coming from the top, uh, you need to relax. Uh, you need to understand exactly what's the essence of this message before you really communicate it. And then put your own spin on it. I, I would shield my team definitely from the stress from the top. I should, if, if, if I don't do that, and if I'm bitching, moaning, and I'm being a victim or a judge because my boss is yelling at me. In fact, one of my bosses told me, you do know what boss is backwards, don't you? And I go, what? I, I didn't know what he was talking about. I only had one job in my life. Uh, I was 20. And he said, double SOB. Get to work. Go over and do this. And, and I was in shock because I thought he loved me and whined me and dined me and wanted me to be there first day on the job. So um, I just wouldn't pass stress on to my team. <clears throat> I'd shield them. Which probably means you get out of a tough meeting, you reboot before you see the people you're managing so that you're not going in there like just with buggy red eyes and being like, oh, I just got to pass this on to somebody. I, I think the biggest mistake uh, that we make that is a contributor to stress is having meetings back to back to back to back to back. And we do need to frame our meetings. And I, I, I'll, in fact, I just sent this missive out. I, I believe I just sent a tweet out. Uh, follow me on uh, at Jim Fannin on Twitter, but I just sent this out a couple of days ago. I would take at least 90 seconds. I, I could take less after every meeting to visualize the takeaways. What was the point of the meeting? What are the takeaways and what are the actionable items that I'm in charge of? So I would do that after every meeting. Then I would take 90 seconds 
to never have a meeting I already, you know, haven't already had. So the time between meetings is crucial. And I and I see, especially in the Fortune 100, where they're just jammed one after another, 250 emails. I mean, it's almost inhuman. Uh, this creates so much stress. And then you have to go home and then you do your summaries. Now that's eating into the other arenas of your time. Uh, and I, I've got students doing this also with their classes. Take 30 seconds. What's the takeaway from the class? Actually, if you're a college student or a high school student right now, in the last five minutes of the class, I'd summarize the whole class. I'd be studying on the subject while I'm in the class with the subject. Get in the zone while you're there. Summarize the takeaways and then get mentally prepared to go from anatomy and physiology off to a, a calculus class, which is apples and oranges. So prepare, you make some adjustments. And then you definitely need to evaluate. Let's get into the arena of couples, relationships. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, I said, I, is there anything better than a great best friend, a great companion, uh, someone that loves you, even though you got some scars, some warts, you know, you got some, you don't have a lot of beauty marks. They love you anyway. I think a relationship with a significant other uh, is really one of the greatest things a person can have in their life. Uh, you want that relationship to be one plus one equal three. You know, you and I together should equal more than a part, or what's the point? And again, that's framing your day also. You need to get up happy. Good morning, baby. How you doing? I'm going to love you all day today. You know, that, that didn't take me but a few seconds to say that. But how many people get up grumpy? I need a cup of coffee and, you know, I'm just not in a good mood because I don't want to get up. How selfish is that? I'm getting up with you. I then, Even if you're not in a good mood, I'm going to get you in a good mood. I may get up and dance to a commercial, which I'd like to dance to commercials anyway. It's a little bizarre. Just to, just to make life fun. Um yeah, I, I think we need to get up happy with our significant other, and we definitely need to go to bed in that last 30 minutes only thinking about the future, um, not thinking about money, not thinking about kids, definitely don't think about your job, uh, and just be with that person you really care about. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this the halftime on our, our show of tips here. Just because you know, I can just kind of feel it if you're 25, if you're 35, if you're 45, whatever, because of just the way the calendar is laid out, it's very, very easy to get focused on one thing, you know, right now, be that career, be that getting the kids through all their stuff because we're in the middle of October and it seems like, you know, kindergartner, high school, senior, college student, whatever, they've, they've got more stuff to do. And I think it becomes very easy to obsess about like one thing or to put all your energy kind of sending it onto one task and really... Like once you start looking at this and saying, you know what, it, and you know, I believe your line is you're an uh, you're a human soul having an amazing an amazing experience, right? And so part of not being stressed, it, it, I'm just bouncing this off of you, is just realizing you do have multiple arenas, and that's a good thing. It, it it's a great thing. I, I can close one arena and then go open up another one, and um, 
but you know, my attitude goes with me. Uh, the one thing we don't want to do is have a negative attitude in one arena, and then you know we go home and kick the dog, and and now we drag that bad attitude into another phase of our lives. You know, once a week, every client that I have, every week, they will go to higher ground. They they will get up above their life. You can do this on a sheet of paper. You know, make eight or nine circles. We've talked about this and. In those circles, that uh, it, it contains thoughts about just me, myself. Uh, another circle is about my personal finances. That's got nothing to do with uh, business. It's just the money in my pocket. Uh, then there's my business. But if you go to higher ground and you think about what you think about in each of these arenas, it won't take you long to do that. I think it'll keep you grounded. It'll keep you from over-investing too many happy eggs in one arena. That's when we get in trouble. I see this a lot. This is one of the biggest challenges uh, with uh, a lot of young people today. It's when expectations aren't met and expectation and reality collide. That's when we get frustrated. That's when we get upset. You know, I, I expected you to be on time, ready to go. We've got a dinner meeting at 6. Well, what if we're there at 610? Is that going to change the world? No, but I had those expectations of being punctual. And maybe it's a remnant from when I was five because I was yelled at because I wasn't punctual. I'm just passing it on generationally now to my significant other. And um, all of a sudden, she's not ready. And I get pissed. I'm upset, you know, and, and I'm yelling and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a victim of the situation. And I'm judging you. You knew we had a meeting at six. You knew I was going to be coming in. And, and it's relax. Slow down life. You're going to slow it down, I promise you, at some point. I mean, when you're 95, you're not going to be looking to speed life up. You're going to say, you know, let's, let's, let's milk this thing a little bit, you know? I'm, I'm really going to listen uh, to some of my great songs. Yes, I love Freebird as a kid, but at 90, you're going to listen to Freebird a little bit differently, maybe than you did when you were 20 or whatever song it is. Slow it down. So uh, transitioning from arena to arena, it's only easy once you have your life segregated into arenas. I've got a client right now that has gone to higher ground. He said to me a couple of days ago, I'm now thinking in arenas. My thoughts are now cataloged in my mind, uh, construction uh, in my mind as arenas. So, um, you know, most of us have our thoughts in one big bouillabaisse soup. That's why uh, statistics show 60 to 70% of every thought you have today is in chaos. If you think about right before you got on the air uh, to listen to this podcast. I mean, think about it right now. What were all the thoughts and how many arenas were you thinking about in the 10 minutes before you opened up this podcast or downloaded it? You're going to be surprised. We need to think about what we think about. We need to slow down, put in your life in arenas. I mean, that's definitely, definitely going to help. Hey, I, I, I want to talk about something that that's important to everyone, and that's personal finance. And for a lot of people, 
especially married couples, typically one is managing the money. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it's a joint kind of deal, even though you have a joint bank account, one's balancing it or got his eye or or her eye on it. Um, If you want to make money, think about money. And if you want to be successful personally with your finances, well, you need a blueprint. And right now, there's a lot of uncertainty, Seth, and I'm talking to a lot of people in the investment business. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of forecasters for macroeconomics. We're in a world of uncertainty. We really are. Uh, although the you know the stock market's awesome, and but not everybody's in it. Not everybody's playing. And um, get a budget. That's pretty simple for me to say. But I challenge everybody listening. How many of you actually have a monthly budget and you stick to it? Most of us don't. You know, most of us wing it. And if you do, I'm tipping my hat to you. Congratulations. But I would have a plan. I would also plan uh, for an emergency. I'd I'd have six months of liquid cash to live on. I I would. Uh, I might even look at gold as a hedge investment. Unfortunately, Americans kind of have this phenomenon called like kind of rich poor going on, where if you look at families that are making not even $100,000 on the nose, I'm talking into the like little to the middle six figures, statistically one or two missed paychecks and like 60 plus percent of those families are going to be hurting uh, because it's always so close to the line of I get it all in and it all gets spent. and you're not going to just stumble your way into better, better tactics, better behavior there. Um, that's just really going to take, going back to the score system, that's going to take some self-discipline. It, it does, and I highly encourage everybody to have a HSA, a health savings account, uh, to help pay the deductible uh, or pay for something. Maybe it's not covered. Who knows what's going to happen healthcare-wise. There's a lot of changes going on. I hope it's all good. We'll see. We'll see when the proof... Uh, Proofs in the details, obviously, which I don't know. Um, but I think you need to take care of what you can take care of, and you can manage your own income stream. You can manage that. Uh, you know what's coming in. You know what's going out. And hopefully you got just a little bit, 10%, 15% that you can save. Uh, but you never know when the hot water heater is going to go out like mine did. I never thought about it. I never planned for it. And all of a sudden, I needed a hot a water heater, and I needed a, a furnace. I'm like, it costs that much? What? <laughs> I mean, what? It's a lot of dollars going out the door right it's away. It's a lot of door. Yeah, it's going out the door, and people are either putting on a credit card. I, I'd be careful with the credit cards. I really would. I, I would get no cash advances on credit cards. That's typically 25 26%. This is common sense, Seth, and... Uh, I think this is an important arena of your life, and everybody needs to have a plan. Get in the zone with your money. That's really what it is. That's a heavy one. So let, let's get a little bit light here, a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of enjoyment. Still time for another round or two of golf in most of the United States. I mean, obviously, if you're in Arizona, yeah, go go play and play and play. Most of us in like the northern states, get another round or two in, and then it's going to be too chilly. How can you have a great close to that season? 
Can you go out and play? Well, first of all, let, let's talk about the first time you teed it up in the at the beginning of the year. Invariably, that's our best round. We've been thinking positive about our golf game. Uh, we haven't played all winter. And all of a sudden, we go out and play our first round. We don't have a lot of thoughts. And we play our best. Then eventually, we start thinking more and more and that we get in our own way. Well, I'd close the season the same way. Uh, go out and play a round of golf. There's two parts of the game. There's hitting the ball well, and that's golf instruction, and, and, and that's uh, swing keys and uh, your stance. It's striking the ball solid. There's a lot of things that go into hitting the ball well or rolling the ball well. And then there's playing well, and they're two separate. And uh, hopefully you can close this season out by playing well. What does that mean? Well, that means get into a flow. I'll give you an example. Now, trust me on the math here. I just did this with a uh, Illinois golf team, actually. Uh, we had Mike Small on last week. 13.8 minutes is all you need to focus in a five-hour round of golf. What? Five-hour round of golf, and I only need to focus for 13.8 minutes? You know... There's a on-deck circle, if I can add baseball to golf. It's about six feet away from where your ball is. Well, in this imaginary circle, obviously in baseball, there's a, a real painted circle on the grass. Uh, but in that imaginary on-deck circle, you know, you pick your target, you select your club, you shape your shot in your mind, uh, you have a practice swing, maybe you have a swing key thought, uh, and then you want to get your breathing down. But as soon as you take one step toward the ball, 1,001, 1,002, that little uh, timer goes off. When you strike the ball, the timer stops. Now, the pros that I've coached and the top college players, that's about 12 seconds. By the time you leave that on-deck circle where you can have a lot of thoughts, to the point up to actually hitting the ball, you should have zero thoughts. That's a routine that most of us never practice. Now, here's the math. Let's say you want to shoot 69. Everybody raise your hand. Okay, I, I can hear everybody saying, oh, my goodness, is that for nine holes? <laughs> How many holes is that? Now, that's for 18 holes. I just did this with uh, Illinois. You want to shoot 69. Take 69 times 12, divide that by 60, 60 seconds in a minute, that's 13.8 minutes. And that's where you don't want to have extra thoughts. So in that 12 seconds, if you're looking out uh, at your target and you get a little glimpse of that water where you don't want to be, you need to abort the routine, go back to that on-deck circle, and start the 12 seconds over again. I'd have my mind completely clear, very positive. Uh, those are the routines that really I help a lot of great golfers, but this works at every single level. So when you go out and practice, um, incorporate those 12 seconds in your practice. Don't just sit there and machine gun balls on the range. That's unrealistic. You'll never do that in a round of golf. So be a player. Get in the zone, hop a ride on that purposeful calm, and that's where all the birdies are. That's where all the good rounds are. And the cool part is, 
if you are out there connecting with coworkers, you know, maybe trying to really help a potential client get towards locking down an agreement. You can talk about anything. Yeah, you have a ton of open space in your oh, head. You, do. you just and you can still play a fantastic round. But but let's face it, uh there's alone time in that twelve seconds, typically except on the green and on the T. Uh if you're out in the fairway, you're away from people more than likely. So that twelve seconds becomes easier. Where that twelve seconds gets more noise is when you're getting ready to hit a ball and you got three people watching you hit the ball. That's where you start coaching yourself. Or if you're on the green and you're getting ready to putt, let's say you're putting first and you're in a threesome, you got two people watching you. And again, that's where there's a tendency to overthink because you're under pressure. And when you're under pressure, the champion doesn't think. They get their breathing down. The non-champion overthinks and their breathing goes up. That making sense? I like to make sense. It does. <laughs> I like to make sense. Seth. You know, you said that. Um, you always say that the true champion goes into the past for swift analysis. I I was going into the past right there, and not in a bad way. I was just thinking about a, a, a couple of sports moments in my life where I was like, oh, yeah, that's how I could have done that differently. Um, and not not that it, it bothers me or matters now, but it is good to know how I tripped up as opposed to before I, we met, not knowing, I don't know how I fell apart right there. Well, if you think about it, if you go back to the golf, it, it's also in business as well, but um, we, um, we very seldom have alone moments um, in a performance where there's no place we'd rather be, but alone in a crowd, cocooned in a crowd. I know talking to, Alex Rodriguez and Frank Thomas, their whole career, I, I've told them, if I've told them once, I've told them a hundred times, you need to be alone in a crowd. You got 40,000 people that hate you. Uh, they don't want you to do well. You're in a, uh, a visitor uh, stadium. You got to be alone in a crowd and doing your thing and cocoon yourself into that present tense purposeful calm. You know, my, my motto, I, I was asked uh, yesterday, if you had a tattoo, Jim, what, what, what would your tattoo be? I'm like, wow, I don't have a tattoo, but if I did have a tattoo, hmm, what, would I, what would I do? Would I get a tramp stamp? Probably, <laughs> pro, pro, probably not. Would I, would I get a Tyson face tattoo? No, nah, I, don't, I don't think so. But if I did have a tattoo, uh, no place I'd rather be than where I am right now. I may have that. Uh, it's a long tattoo, but I might have that. And um, or or just a B and a plus sign. Be positive. That's my blood type. Be positive. That's my mindset. Be positive. Yeah. Look look at solutions only. When you talk about being alone in the crowd, something I want to do just for fun this week is to hop onto YouTube and check out some old Babe Ruth footage. That's the the name that comes to my mind of somebody that just loved he, he loved the pressure. He loved being alone and and getting out there. Uh, he also loved beer and hot dogs he, <laughs> and, and women <laughs> and, and, and life. I mean, this guy was bigger than life. All the stories I've heard uh, from so many Yankees, and I coach a lot of Yankees. Um, but that's a person that loved life, and he did it the babe way. And I think that's what made him so uh, famous, really. Not, not just his prowess uh, hitting the long ball, but you know, he was also a great pitcher. This is, a, this is a Hall of Fame pitcher, also won 20 games. This guy could pitch. He wasn't just a hitter. 
But um, and all his happy eggs weren't in one basket because uh, he had a great time. Uh, yeah, maybe too much. <laughs> Mickey Mantle as well, maybe too much. But uh, yeah, you're you're so much more than a business person. I think that's the message. You you need simplicity, and and you definitely need uh, you need balance in your life. Sales. Great line from I believe was it Mark Twain that said everybody makes a living selling something, even if you're not in sales you're going to have to step in and try to talk somebody into something, right? Like you could be in finance and only work with other people in your company, but you're going to have to try to get somebody on board with your idea wherever you're at. You could be a teacher that's got a a stubborn student and there's going to be a moment where you have to sell that fifth grader on getting back into their social studies, right? Well, I think the hardest sales job is selling you on the awesomeness of you. That's first. That's the toughest sales job is selling you on you and selling your product or service that it will benefit someone. I know we changed the uh, entire mindset of a car dealership not long ago, and I said, quit selling. And of course, the sales manager and the owner of the dealership is like, what? Wait, wait where did we get this what? guy? <laughs> how, how much did we pay that guy? Quit selling. And, and they did stop selling. What they did, they, they motivated and inspired people to improve their quality of transportation at a price they can afford. That became a win-win influence. Manipulation is win-lose. I don't care if you like the car or not, but uh, let's do the deal. I know how much money I'm going to put. I'll put 1500 in my pocket as a salesperson. Next, I just want to make my quota. I'm not thinking about your personal quality of life at a price that uh, you can afford. But the great salesperson also doesn't close. I, I hear that all the time. ABC, always be closing. And I like closing a round of golf. Don't get me around, uh, wrong. I, I like closing our show on a positive note. But closing in sales, I think we need to open our long-term relationship. Close is like, I'm done. And... um Open a long-term relationship, and, and you'll start making a lot more money if you're in the sales game. And inspire people. Motivate people. I was in um, Norway, and I'm coaching one of the top companies there. And um, as soon as I got there, they took me down into the basement, a windowless basement. And it was a copier company. I'm not going to mention their name. They're for- formidable. But in the basement of their office, in their headquarters, no windows, every competitor's machine was in the basement. Every one. Every single one. It was jammed. And every salesperson for this company could fix any machine in that basement. So they would, they would go into an office and go, oh, you've got an A2-300. Oh, this is good. How's the door on that? It has a tendency to stick a little bit. Hey, let me show you a little trick. If you just do this, it'll fix it. Oh, my gosh, thank you. That was not his machine. That was someone else's machine. So he knew the product of the competitors, I bet, better than the the competitor themselves. And and then he guided them in an influential win-win way uh, of how this product that he had would improve their quality of business, and it would save them money. It would give them uh, more longevity. 
that guy's going to make a lot of money. That woman that does that, she's going to make a ton of money. It's, uh, you know, if you just look around wherever you are right now, even in your car or look around in your home, there's nothing in there in your house that somebody didn't sell. Everything. Our microphone. I bought the microphone. Someone made it. Someone sold it to the store I got it from. So sales is everywhere, and uh, sales is all about positive influence. And the experience I've had, you know, with those two arenas, I think about the the gentleman I bought my last car from. I'll totally call that guy honestly before I even hop online next time and see what's out there because uh, he just was so helpful, and we kind of looked at a couple things, and he was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if I would do that." And compared to some other time, you know, car dealerships in particular tend to have a, a habit of just hiring people and throwing them out there and not having a gym fan and to guide them or, or somebody to at least give them something. And so you wind up with a bunch of nervous people that, that push on you way too hard. And when you're different than everybody else, and when you do care, when you have love and you have positivity, people come back and find you at least. Yeah, the, the great salesperson really envisions the prospect, not only using the product or service, but thriving with it. You have to see them thriving with it. I mean, I, I remember when I, I wrote my first book is decades ago. I I hadn't written it, and many people told me I probably won't be able to write it. You know, you've never written a book. You probably won't get it published. Uh, you probably won't have a you know a, get an agent. Nobody knows who you are. It's like wow, thanks for the you know pat, the encouragement and the pat on the back. Uh, but I visualized. People not just reading the book, I picture them actually doing some exercises and improving their, it was a parenting book, and, and I, I saw them improving their quality of life with it. And I think that's what helped the, the sales of that book. It's the intention behind the sale. I'm looking to open up a relationship with readers of the book, uh, and that's what a salesperson does. I want to open up a dialogue, open up a relationship. You know, the guy that sells I me mean, my, my, my cars, uh, we're friends, and he communicates to me three or four times a year. He's actually sent me prospects who thought they would want my services, and that's, that was nice of him. Uh, but it's that kind of relationship. And I think when you surround yourself with people like that, uh, boy, you're just going to have a zone life. You know, living in the zones, that's what it's really all about. All of these arenas. Let me ask just one more footnote on this sales topic. If you really want to be a zone performer in sales and you've got a boss that is the opposite of the score system, that's high pressure, um, you know, yelling, we got to get this done, turn them over quick. Uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people step up into management and really don't know what they're doing. And so what they do is they think, well, if I'm really aggressive, people won't notice that I'm insecure. And then they wind up putting pressure on their sales team and, and the whole thing falls apart. So, you know, of course, maybe the best thing for you is to move on. But I, I've been in that situation before. And sometimes you have to do a good job while you're figuring out your next step. Well, your, bo your boss, Seth, is probably on a quota. He's just pushing stress quota downstream to you and five, ten other people. Um, most of that stress will come at the end of the month or the end of the quarter. Not, not always, but a lot of times. I think you need to have your own quota. So whoever gives you a quota, 
That's for the average. You got to think, wait a minute, this quote is not for me. And, and then I would break my, uh, my month into quarters. I would. First 10 days. I'll, I'll give you an example of this. We had salespeople. This was just before 9-11. How, how horrific was that? And you can imagine when 9-11 hit our country, uh, sales dropped like a stone in every facet of business. There were no sales on 9-11, no sales on 9-12. People weren't going and buying a car, right? And at the time, I was 19 years old working in a mall. The mall was shut down for several days because nobody had any idea what was going on with safety. So they didn't think anybody would show up. So I, so, so I had 20. Obviously, we didn't know 9-11 was going to happen. Yeah. In August, prior to 9-11, that year, uh, I had 20 salespeople. Uh, I'm coaching them holistically as a group, but also individually. We all set a quota for the first 10 days. They'd never done that. They always had their quota for the month. Now, the first 10 days, let's get locked into the zone. And then we did the middle 10 days, and then the last 10 days. And once they set that quota for the first 10 days, when 9-11 hit, this car dealership made more money that entire month than they did the year before in only 10 days. Holy so cow. That's pretty amazing, right? So just because you have these rules imposed on you, they're probably imposed for the average person. That's not you. And, and if you want abnormal dreams, abnormal goals, you got to think in an abnormal way. So break things down into bite sizes, first 10 days, second 10 days, last 10 days, uh, and take some breaks and also add a reward system for you, not waiting on a pat on the back from your boss. Uh, I'm getting a massage. I'm, I'm, I'm having a spa day when I exceed this goal. So uh, get in the zone in sales. Uh, there's some great salespeople out there that are selling like this, and they're thriving on a long-term basis, and, and they'll manage any kind of economic crisis. Which actually, let's go ahead and get into the, the mailbag because I, I think this is very fascinating. Ask Jim at jimfannon.com. You have access to the same world-class coaching as well, Frank Thomas and A-Rod and some of the top salespeople in the world and a whole lot of other people that have had crazy success. Hey, Jim. Heard there could be a recession in twenty seven or in twenty eighteen. How do I lead my company right now? Well, I think a lot of companies are sitting on a lot of cash right now. I, I think the first thing I would do, uh, I would have I I would already have two thousand eighteen projections done. Now that sounds pretty logical, but Seth, what I found is that even big companies. They don't get their act together until January, which is amazing. January 1, I'm hitting the ground running. So I would definitely uh, have financial projections uh, really well thought out. I would also have my calendar of the whole year mapped out from a marketing, internal marketing and external marketing. I'd have that ready before December 1. Then I would have a retreat. I do a Huge retreat business, October, November, first part of December, 
companies sequestering uh, their inner circle, their C-suite, their key people, their sales team to kind of get ready. What, what have we learned from 2017? Here's our projections. And how are we going to respond to 2018? And, um, and then if you're a company, I, I would, I'd be very careful, careful making uh, major purchases, capital investments. Um, I, I tighten my belt a little bit. Uh, you also might want to prune the tree. That's a tough thing for people. We always prune the tree uh, when the crap hits the fan. That's when we lay people off. You already know right now, if you're running your company, uh, I'd do this exercise. Fire everybody psychologically in your own mind. Fire them all. Now hire the first six back. Who are you hiring? If you're running your own company, I, I would prepare for some emergency. Be careful about expansion. Uh, you might want to prune the tree. There's probably two or three people that uh, I'd give them 90 days. Hey, listen, you need to do this, this, and this. I'm having some challenges. Our c- customers are having some challenges. This is what I want fixed. Otherwise, you know, we may have to do something else. I hope we don't go there. I'd be very upfront with people that aren't pulling their weight. And also, if we can just close this show, as we always do on Extreme Positivity, before we get into the, uh, the Zone Cafe. Well, let me just say, I, I, you might hire everybody back, but I, I, I would go through an evaluation on my team. Who, If I did start from scratch, who would I hire back and would I put them in the same position? How would I do it differently? This is all getting ready for 2018. Well, and this wouldn't have, and obviously we have no idea. I mean, the stock market could be amazing through 2018 and 2019. We don't know, right? But I was having this conversation with another entrepreneur this week, and I just said, you know what? Recessions are times when the way business gets done changes. And whether or not it happens, I can always have the mindset that I'm going into any situation looking to be on the cutting edge of what's going on so that I can you know, lead my own team and myself to be the best that we can be. And I, I would not have said that before I met you. I, I would have been fretting and worrying and pacing. Well, I, I think if you'll pay now in planning, you know, most of us just, we don't plan. I, our, we don't plan our diets. We don't plan our sleep patterns. Uh, we don't always plan our how we're going to raise our kids. Or I'm going to raise them the opposite of I was raised, or I'm going to raise them the same. And and um, by having a blueprint, I, I think that's really crucial, uh, Seth. Having a blueprint for every one of these arenas, and now's the time to get the blueprint really etched. Uh, you can always adjust from it. But you've got something to at least to adjust from. But if you don't plan and then you get caught with some adversity, uh, you're going to have a chaotic life. You're going to have frustration. You might get sick. Uh, You're going to have arguments, hopefully not with your significant other, but more than likely you will. That's all preventable, Seth. It really is. Let's get in the zone cafe because I I know right now what needs to go on my plate for the rest of the week. Well, Seth, this, this cafe we have only has five things on on the menu. Uh, Self-discipline, that's commitment, willingness to stay with tasks, planning, blueprint, we're just talking about it. Uh, Helping you get ready to execute tasks to reach goals and take you to a vision. So you can order a big giant plate of self-discipline if you need that right now, but you can only order one thing at, at this time when you pull up to the cafe. 
But maybe you need a big bag of concentration. Maybe you need to focus on one thing only, one arena only. What, what's, what's the weakest point for you right now? You might need concentration. Put on your blinders. Be alone in a crowd. You can order that if you need it. Or you can order a big heap of optimism, confidence, self-esteem, trust. Uh, boy, we can always have an extra dish of that. That's definite. But maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need more confidence and optimism. But maybe you need a tall, cool, relaxing drink of relaxation. And uh, you need to breathe more. You need to chill more. You need to be a palm tree in a hurricane. Or maybe, man, maybe you need a big plate of enjoyment. I got to laugh more. I, I got to skip a little bit. Uh, I got to have uh, some rewards in my life. I got to dance. I've, I've been dancing during commercials. My wife's calling me out on it. I don't know if it's because I'm not dancing awesome or what are you doing? Why are you dancing? I just, I've got this musical beat running through me. I don't know if I dance what. Yeah, sometimes you got to dance, but maybe that's what you need. What are you ordering, Seth? So I'm in this one weird week where I have four days in a row, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's going to happen once a year. Nothing I can do about it except go into it like a true champion, right? A big, giant glass of relaxation. Because I know if I can have a big glass of relaxation, 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., it's going to be a great four days, and I'm really going to enjoy it. And I, it- I, I am not going to promote alcohol. <laughs> However. However, I am from Kentucky, and I have something pretty special for you, Seth, and maybe this is just a sip, Pappy Van Winkle. You can look that up. It's hard to get. You can't get it. 12-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon. Uh, I'm not telling you that's what you need, Seth, but (laughs) it's pretty smooth. And uh, again, I am from Kentucky. My, My father on his deathbed, he goes, Jimmy, I, I, I hope you don't drink a lot. I said, you know, Dad, I, I, I don't. But don't drink that Tennessee stuff. <laughs> and, and, and don't put any Coke or 7-Up in it. Just drink bourbon. I said, all right, Dad, I, I, I will. That, that was one of his parting words. And we've, we've got some really good stuff. This might even be an episode you want to go back to two or three times. Well, you know, Seth, it is the only place to be. The zone is attainable. You can attract it in any faction of your life. Sometimes you need to get alone, sequester yourself, uh, get in a dark room, chill out, and and just a giant reboot. And um, find that purposeful calm. Because, Seth, it is the only place to be. So until next week, We'll go back to the Zone Cafe, but until next week, be in the zone, everybody. Be in the zone. Radio Influence brings you the absolute best in digital audio broadcasting. We've got something for everyone. Sports personalities like the fabulous sports babe, Rich Herrera, and former Major League Baseball manager Kevin Kennedy as they take you inside the dugout. We'll take you inside the world of MMA with the MMA Report with Jason Floyd, the MMA Insiders, and the Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxidine. Or you could find yourself sitting ringside with wrestling ring announcer David Penzer. 
TV law enforcement analyst and former police officer Vincent Hill breaks down this week's biggest crime stories and takes you beyond the badge. Chef Brian Duffy from TV's Bar Rescue shares his crazy life on the road with Duffified Live. And Scott Ledger will always make you think with some dangerous conversation. All of Radio Influence's shows can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com. 